Clap your hands for the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Women, please be seated. We are all welcome to the house of the Lord. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. May we please open our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of heads shall not prevail against it. Praise the name of Jesus. I want us to discuss from that verse of scripture what I have entitled basic questions about the church. Basic questions about the church. You see, those of us that belong to the church of God must understand what it is all about. Those of us who belong to the church of God must understand this body that we belong to called the church. Not many in the house of God understand the basics of the church. Not many. And that is why within the limited time that we have, we would like to look at what I have called basic questions about the church. Praise God. First of all, what is the church? That is the first question we want to consider. What is the church? The term church has already been defined severally, but I want us to look at the following. First of all, let us understand that the word church or the name church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, ecclesia, which means an assembly of called out ones, an assembly of called out ones. The Bible helps us to understand that even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. So we have been called out of the world even though we are still in the world. We have been called out from among sinners. We have been called out from among the lost. We used to be lost. 
but we were called out. I mean, in Ephesians chapter 2, if we can read from verse number 1, Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as the others. But hear this, God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He says, we are not like the others. You remember? He talked about the fact that we used to be children of wrath just as the others. So we are not part of the others. We have been separated. We've been called out. Praise the name of Jesus. I said praise the name of Jesus. So if you are born again, you are part of the assembly of the called out ones. Tell your neighbor you are called out. Hallelujah. And so, the term church as ecclesia is used to talk about the whole body of Christians in one city. The whole body of Christians in one city regardless of their denominational affiliation. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 22, Acts 11 and verse 22, the Bible says, The news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. So he's talking about an assembly of Christians in a particular locality. In this case, in Jerusalem. The term church can also be used to refer to a local congregation. A local congregation. So, this local congregation is called a church. A church. So, all Christians in this city, for example, all of them form the church. But at the same time, we as a local assembly, in a particular setting like ours are also called the church. Are we together here? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 19 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 19 Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words. Now he's talking about where a small assembly of believers or in a particular a local assembly are gathered. Praise the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. He's not talking about church here to mean an assembly of Christians in a city, but in a particular gathering. Praise the Lord. You also see that in verse number 35 of the same chapter. But also, the term church can be used to talk about the universal church comprising all believers on earth. So, all believers, all Christians on earth also can be called the church. So, the church to mean all Christians on earth, like the Bible will tell us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 32, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 32, the term can also be used to mean Christians in a city, Christians in a particular location, Christians in a particular gathering, and so on and so forth. Praise the name of Jesus. So like in this verse, he's talking about the universal church. He's talking about Christians all over the world. Praise the name of Jesus. This is a great mystery. Of course, he's talking about marriage. If you read from verse 22, it says, But I speak concerning Christ and the church, meaning Christians all over the world. Praise God. So that is the term church as derived from the Greek rendering ecclesia. But here is church also comes from another Greek word which is kos, K-O-S, kos. Not ecclesia this time, but kos, K-O-S. In this sense, the term church means belonging to the Lord. Belonging to the Lord. So when we talk of the church, we are talking about those people that believe in Christ Jesus and live their lives in such a way that they are telling everybody that we are God's property. We belong to the Lord. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't belong to the traditions, wicked traditions of our fathers. No, we belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus. We belong to now. These are people that are not just born again, but they have come to the place of realization that they are not here for themselves, but for the Lord. They are not on earth for themselves. Praise the name of Jesus. These are men and women that say like Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the Lord, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me says it is no longer I who live 
it is him. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Now, the same apostle Paul tells us something in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let us start reading from verse 17, but I'm looking for verses 19 to 20. He says, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. These are men and women that are saying, we are not just born again. We understand that we belong to him. We belong to him. We are not of ourselves. We are not of our own. We are somebody's property. We are joined with him. Flee sexual immorality, he says. Everything that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Next verse. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Now, when we talk of the church, we are talking about those that carry God. Those that carry God in them. God dwells in them. And they live in the awareness, the consciousness, the realization, and the appreciation of that reality. Wherever they go, they have that realization that I'm not just me. I have carried God. I carry God. Wherever I go, there is God inside of me. Because I am his temple. I am his temple. Praise the name of Jesus. He says... Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you are from God and you are not your own. It says you are not, you don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to you. You belong to someone else. Can we have that in NIV, this verse, NIV? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Next verse. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody defined the church. He said, the church is a company of people. Caught out from the world. Who profess and tender allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. A company of people called out from the world. Who profess and tender their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. What is the church? A company of people. Caught out from the world who profess and they go beyond just professing. To profess simply means to confess. They also tender their allegiance to the Lord. They are obedient to the Lord. They are surrendered, dedicated to the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, what are some 
of the names of the church. I'm showing you what I'm calling basic questions about the church. What are some of the names? Call them synonyms of the church. Number one, the body of Christ. The church is also known as the body of Christ. The body of Christ. Somebody shout with me, the body of Christ. You see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 17. But I want us to read Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 4. It says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, let's also read some few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I mentioned verse number 12 to 27 let's just sample a few verses from there for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is christ are we together here for by one spirit we were baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. So that is how the body of Christ is also. That is why there are so many so-called denominations. Or church units, if you like. But all of us, I mean those of us that believe in Christ Jesus, white, black, yellow, green, whether you are American, African, even in, within America, you have South Americans, and then you have North Americans, even within South Americans, you have Mexicans. Brazilians, as long as you are a child of God, you belong to what we call the body of Christ. Somebody shout with me, I'm part of the body of Christ. What are the implications of the fact that the church is the body of Christ? Number one, it means that the church is an organism a living thing it means the church is an organism that is why we can talk about the growth of the church because every living thing has the characteristic of what growth 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 so the church is not just an organization. Please, it is a living thing. It is a living thing. It is a living thing. 
It is an organism. Number two implication is that the church is energized by the life of Christ. The church draws from the life of God, the life of Christ. If we are the body of Christ, then we partake of the life of Christ. Isn't it written in John chapter 10 and verse number 10? A thief comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And have it more abundantly. Praise the name of Jesus. I'm talking to you. I said, praise the name of Jesus. Now, he gave us a graphic picture of what this means in John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5. The master said, I am the true vine and my father is the one dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Let's get back to verse number 1. Now, hear this. Verse number 1, please. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Somebody shout, Jesus, Jesus. Is, the true vine. is the true vine. Now let's look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you know a little bit of biology, then you'll find out that there is no branch that survives on its own nutrients. It partakes of the nutrients that flows in the vine, in the tree, in the branch, I mean in, in the trunk of the tree. Within that, you have passages that are called phloem and xylems. Am I right here? Please, I went to school. Bear with me, I went to school. <laughs> praise the name of Jesus I said praise the name of Jesus the master is telling us he says I am the tree basically that, that is what he's talking about and all of you that believe in me are the branches of the tree that means the life that must flow in you is the life that flows in me praise the name of Jesus so we are energized by the life of Christ. The life of Christ. I mean, I gave you Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 earlier. It says, the, the life that I now live, <laughs> it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. I am partaking of the life of Christ. But also, the implications of the fact that the church is the body of Christ will mean that each one of us has a role 
to play being parts of that body. Each one of us has a role to play. There is no useless part in the body of a human being. There is no part that is useless. Irrelevant. In the body or on the body of every human being. Am I right here? And each and every part of your body has a specific role to play to help you live well in this life. In the same manner, if all of us together are the body of Christ, most likely one of us is an eye. One of us is a hand. The other one probably is a leg. The other one maybe is a skin. The other one maybe is a tongue. I don't know. But the truth is, each one of us has a role to play, just like the part. I mean, each and every part in your body has a role to play. It also means that we do not all have the same functions. The function of legs, among others, is to help me cover distance. To help me what? Cover distance. To help me stand. If the hand will want to do that on behalf of the legs, you can imagine there's going to be confusion. Can you imagine that I meet you in town, working on your hands. Of course, maybe I will salute you for being an expert at somersaulting. Maybe you want to somersault, but after you are somersaulting, you must walk right up with, on your legs. Am I right here? Can you imagine that the ear wanted to speak instead of hearing? Today, I don't want to hear. I want to speak. Can you, imagine, can you imagine? Because the teeth that I have in my mouth are not just for eating. They also help me to speak well. Have you ever spoken to somebody who has no teeth? <laughs> A grown-up at 36, but he has no teeth. <laughs> because he, he can't put his mouth together, sir. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you have a role to play in the house of God. I hope that we'll have time to look at the various roles that we need to play in the house of God. But hear this. Number two. Number one, the church is also called the body of Christ. Number two, the church of the living God. Hear this. Is also called the temple of God. Have you ever thought about that? The temple of God. The temple of God. The temple of God. I can give you scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 20 to 22. 
and 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 5 to 6. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 20 to 22. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone of this temple, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Says all of us, as children of God, when we come together, let's get back to verse 21. When we get together, or all of us put together, it says we become a holy temple of the Lord. A holy temple of the Lord. I think Peter says it better. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 to 6. What does he say? You also, he's pointing at them, he says, you also. Tell your neighbor, we also. He says, we also as living stones. Tell your neighbor, I'm a living stone. Can you imagine that in God's scheme of things, you are not just what you are. You are actually a stone that is alive. Tell your neighbor, I'm a stone. You hit me, I crush you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you imagine that you are beating a stone? Who is going to be hurt? Is it not the fellow who is hitting the stone? You, you, are, you are using your bare hands to hit a stone. First of all, you are out of your mind. Number two, you are going to hurt yourself. Now let's get back to that verse. As living stones, it says you also. You also. You also. Tell your neighbor, me also. It says, you also as living stones are being built up. A spiritual house. Tell your neighbor, we are a spiritual house. All of us put together, we form a spiritual house of God. A holy priesthood for one purpose. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Next verse. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Can we quickly cross to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. Now hear this. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the spirit of God dwells in you. You are his accommodation. You are his dwelling place. You are the accommodation of the Holy Ghost. You are God's dwelling house. Tell your neighbor God dwells in me. Now hear this. Now listen. Verse 17. If anyone defiles the temple of God. God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? 
we as Christians, believers in Christ Jesus, not only are we called the church, we are also called the temple of God. The temple of God. The temple of God. What are the implications? Of the church being the temple of God. How many are enjoying the teaching of the word of God? Praise God. Hallelujah. Number one. God dwells in the church by his spirit. God dwells in the church by his spirit. And that is what we see in that 1 Corinthians 16. I mean 3 verses 16 to 17. Number two. The church of God is a holy place. The church of God is a holy place. If there is one thing the church of God must value, it is holiness. What is it, sir? Holiness, holiness, holiness. If you are not interested to live a holy life, please, don't bother God. Don't bother God. Don't bother God. If you are not interested to live a holy life, please don't waste your life trying to hang around church. And can I say this to you, dear brothers and sisters? It is not impossible to live a holy life. As some people would want us to believe. It is not impossible to live a holy life. It is not impossible. You can live a holy life in this perverse and crooked generation. You can live a holy life. You can live a holy life in this crooked generation. At the same time, hear this, because some people are living a sinful life in the name of success. In the name of, oh, we are affluent. It is not impossible to be affluent and to be holy. It is not what? Impossible. To be affluent and at the same time to be what? Holy. There is no way you can be telling me that you are living a sinful life because you are rich. Because you are successful. Because you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. No. No. You are living a sinful life because you like it. It's not because of the way you were born. Because I can tell you, there was a man in the Bible richer than you if you think you are rich. In any case, how rich are you? How successful are you? Because I can tell you about a man in the Bible who was not just rich, he was the richest in his time. 
The richest told me oh, in his time. And yet he feared God and he shunned evil. He feared God and shunned evil. He made a covenant with his eyes. He said, I will not look at a woman lastfully. If you met that man, his eyes will be looking this way as you are coming this side. He, he made a covenant with his eyes. That I will not look at the thighs of a woman. I will not last after any woman, but very rich. I wonder today that people say, oh, because of money, they want to have more than one woman. God gave you a wife, but because of money, you want two more. You want a, a, a concubine in Mzuz, a concubine in Manguchi. Now you, you, you ask them, how much money do you have, by the way? Somebody was the richest in his time, but he stuck with one woman. He said, I will not look at a girl last flame. Never. I have made a covenant with my eyes. I'm talking about Job here. Job. Job chapter 1. Verse 1 to 2. What does it say? Look at that. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man, everyone read from that, that man, that man. One, two, go. That man was number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. How rich was he? Verse three. Verse three. One to go. Everyone read. And his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. As great as he was. Look at what he did. Job 31 verse 1. Job 31 verse 1. Everyone read. One to go. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young... Why should I have girlfriends? He says I cannot entertain that stupidity. You are not sinning because you are rich. You are sinning because you are a fool. That's the truth. I have a little bit more money to, to share with some girls. So what? What money are you talking about? How, how much? You are just rich to the extent that you are the greatest in your home village. But this man was the greatest... In, in the east, the whole east. Can you imagine that you are the greatest in the entire Middle East? Not east of your village. <laughs> Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, let us be holy, let us be holy. Now hear this. Quite interestingly, the church... It's not just called the body of Christ and the temple of God. It is also called, hear this, the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. Whether you are male or female, you are the bride <laughs> of Christ. Because in Christ Jesus, there is neither male nor female. 
We are all equal. We are the bride of Christ. Now, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Now, hear this. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband. I have betrothed you. For the day to sound well, I have betrothed you to one husband. I have pledged you. I have given you in pledge to one husband. Who is that husband? Christ. That I may present you as a chaste virgin. A virgin to Christ. Tell your neighbor, we are the bride of Christ. We have been betrothed to Christ. Now, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27. Now, hear this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 27. That he might present her, hear this, to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, hear this. What are the implications of the fact that the church is the bride of Christ? Number one, it means that the, the church enjoys the love, care, and protection of Christ. The church enjoys the love, care, and protection of Christ. The meaning is, Jesus loves, cares for, and protects the church jealously. He jealously protects the church. He jealously protects the church. Isn't it wonderful to know that when they were stoning Stephen, in Acts chapter number 7, the Bible says that the heavens opened and Stephen saw Jesus not sitting but standing at the right hand of the Father. Standing. Because he jealously protects his torch. I want you to know that you are dearly loved. Tell your neighbor we are dearly loved. That is true. We are dearly loved by the Lord himself. We are dearly loved by the Lord himself. He cares for us. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter 5 
And verse number seven, casting all your care upon him, for he does what? He cares for you. Second implication quickly is that the church must submit to Christ as a wife does to her husband. Of course, I mean, there are so many husbands that have problems. I mean, wives that have problems submitting to their husbands. What is the wife's primary calling? It is not to give birth to children, but to submit to the husband. There are so many insubmissive women, married women, insubmissive. So many who are not submissive. Now, if you are not submissive, you are called insubordinate. Insubordinate. The husband will be giving you instructions you want to answer back. My wife, you cannot wear that short dress like that. No, no, no. Is it your body? Insubordinate. Not submissive. Unfortunately, we've seen some elements of the church. Some sections of the children of God. And sometimes whole ministries and churches not submitting to the will of Christ. It's true. But God expects us as a church, as a body corporate, but also as individual members of the body of Christ to yield unto Christ, to yield unto Christ as a wife does to the husband. Now, let's move on here very quickly. We have looked at a, the meaning of the church synonyms of the church now let's move on to answer this question very quickly what are the primary functions of the church what are the primary functions of the church very quickly number one to preach the gospel of jesus christ so that men might be saved to preach the gospel of jesus christ so that men might be saved. Now, I want to say that this function is the main or the core assignment of the church of God. That is why it should be upon the heart of every member of the church, every member of the body of Christ to win souls to Jesus, to win souls to Jesus. Regardless of your status in society. Please, one of the things you must avoid bringing to church, can I tell you? Please bring your Bible, bring your writing materials, bring yourself, of course, to church, and bring your offerings, but don't bring your status to church. As you leave home for church, leave your status at home. 
come to church as a child of God, a bride of Christ, a member of the body of Christ. That way, you are going to do what Jesus wants you to do. So many people have come to church with their status. The elders in the heavens of God carry crowns on their heads. Do you remember? But every time they sit around him, they actually don't sit, they bow. And they take their crowns and put them on the ground. When you come to church, leave your crown at your house. Come here as a child of God. Come to the house of the Lord as a child of God. Not as an accountant of God. Not as a managing director of God. As a journalist of God. As finance director of God. So you want to worship God as a finance director. You miss it. You will miss it big time. Big time. And when you miss it, you'll be dismissed. What did he tell them? He said... Though you consider yourself rich, you are wretched. Though you consider yourself rich, but you are wretched, you are poor. You are a sorry state to behold. Hallelujah. The things that people of this world regard so highly are an abomination before God. Jesus was a humble man. Matthew eleven twenty nine. Jesus was a humble man. That is why when they came to catch him, they couldn't tell who was Jesus. But today, if you come to church, they will know who, this, who the bishop is. By his attire, they will know, ah, the bishop must be this one. <laughs> but that time when they came, they had to rely on that traitor, Judas Iscariot, to say, the one I will kiss. That's the one. But they said, are you, now, I believe they must have wondered to say, are you kissing the right person? He doesn't look like him. Humble. That is how to be as a child of God. Praise the name of Jesus. So what am I saying? All I'm saying is let us all be involved in the preaching of the gospel. Because that is one of the cardinal functions of the church of God. Hallelujah. I can give you scriptures, Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and verse number 4. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, and 1 Timothy 2, and verse number 4. Number 2, what are a, the primary functions of the church? Number 2. 
to offer up sacrifices to God. To offer up sacrifices to God. To offer up sacrifices to God. What are some of these sacrifices? Number one, prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. The worship of God. Thanksgiving. Giving God the sacrifice of prayers. Praise. Worship to God. Number two, the sacrifice of our gifts. I'm talking about offerings, tithes, financial and material resources. Tithes, offerings, and other material gifts. Number three, the sacrifice of our time in service. The sacrifice of our time in service. Our time for service. It takes time to serve God. If you are too busy to serve God, you are necessarily too busy. Some people are too busy to pray. Too busy. If you are so busy that you cannot find time to pray, you cannot find time for the service of the house of God, you are unnecessarily, actually dangerously too busy. I wouldn't be surprised that somebody has failed to come because he's saying... Today was, was very hectic, so I'm tired. Let me rest. And there is someone who is not here because he's watching a game. Africa Cup of Nations games. Or the games that have already been played at the Women's World Cup. He says, I like Spain. I like Spain. And you find out that the reason why he likes Spain is not because of Spain. It's because Spain has got more beautiful lady players. <laughs> Number three. What are the primary functions of the church? Number one, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two. To offer up what? Sacrifices. Number three, to train disciples for Christ and develop them to maturity through the word of God. To train disciples for Christ and develop them to maturity through the word. Through the word. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17. 1 Peter chapter 2. And verse number 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, and 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse number 2. Let's move quickly. Number 4, 
What is the function of the church? Hear this. It is to provide a platform for fellowship. 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 <laughs> Number one, fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with the Holy Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3. Is it 1 John, sorry, chapter 1 and verse number 3. 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 3. <laughs> it says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. We'll talk about that in a moment. But it says, and truly, our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. So again, here we see, he's talking about fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Where is the fellowship of the Holy Ghost? 2 Corinthians chapter what? 13 and verse number 14. Can we look at it? 2 Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the communion. The communion. Can we have that in a different version? He's talking about fellowship. In a different version, maybe NIV. It says, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So, can you see that we are talking about provision of fellowship with the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Praise the name of Jesus. I said praise the name of Jesus. That is why every time we meet together, we have a section of our service that is called praise. And another one is called what? Worship. That is to provide a platform for us to commune with the almighty God. To commune with the Godhead. To commune with the Godhead. Praise the name of Jesus. But also the church of God provides fellowship of the believers with one another. Fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another. Can we get back to that one John chapter 1 and verse number 3. So that you also may have fellowship with us. Verse number 7. Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? And to the fellowship. And to the fellowship. To the fellowship. When we come together, like we have done here, we are in fellowship. We are in fellowship. We are in fellowship. We are doing fellowship. What have we come for? We have come for fellowship. Hallelujah. Not only with the Godhead, but also fellowship with one another. Praise the name of Jesus. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. That is why you cannot be, hear this, you cannot be a genuine Christian and not identify fully with a particular local assembly. I don't know whether you've come across those super Christians who think that they are way above, so why should I mix? I have a higher revelation than the pastor in the church, so what is he going to tell me? I, I need higher revelations, deeper. I want the pastor to go deeper. Not the kind of teaching that talks about what is the church. No, no, no. Those are elementary teachings. No, we, we need super, super. It's, I wish this pastor had stayed in the realm of the spirit to scan what is happening in the spiritual atmosphere. So such men will not come to church to hear a teaching like the one I'm giving you. Just know that the spirit of error has caught up with him. The Bible talks about the error of Balaam. Error. E-double-R-O-R. The error of Balaam. Meaning what? He was a genuine man. Until error caught up with him. And he deviated from the path of truth. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So I was talking about Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Now hear this. Quickly please. And they continued. How? Steadfastly. Not only in the apostles' doctrine, but they also continued steadfastly in what? In fellowship. You must always look forward to coming to church. You must always look forward to coming to the house of the Lord. In Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2. Psalm 42, verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, as a deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. Next verse. My soul thirsts for, for God, even for the living God. And then it says what? When shall I come and appear before God? This is a man who is looking forward to appearing before God. And in those days, they only appeared before God in Zion. They came to church. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, what are the primary functions of the church? Number five. Is it number five now? To preserve society from moral decadence or call it corruption. To preserve society from moral decadence or corruption. I mean, that is clear. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. So, we, we must not be the corrupt ones ourselves. We should not be the ones to be corrupt. Because we are there to preserve a generation from decadence. To preserve a generation from decadence. I think... Acts chapter 2 verse number 
Let's begin reading from verse number 40, 40, 40. Acts 2. Yes. And with many other words. He testified and exalted them saying what? Be saved from this perverse generation. No, 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 no. Let's have NIV of this verse. Yeah. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. What did he say? He said, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Tell your neighbor, save yourself. All right. The last one in the interest of time. What are the primary functions of the church? Number six. To exercise authority and dominion over the kingdom of darkness. To exercise authority and dominion over the kingdom of darkness. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23. I will not be able to read that one. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 to 23 and Luke chapter 4 I mean chapter 10 verses 18 to 20 Luke chapter 10 verses 18 to 20 can we have that New King James Version please and he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven 19 behold I give you what authority to do what read everyone want to go to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Next verse. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. Now hear this. It says the spirits were subject to them. The spirits were subject Wherever you go, demons must be subject to who? To you. You must not be subject to demons. Demons must be subject to you. As a child of God. Praise the Lord. Tell them about demons are subject to me. Can I quickly show you this? What are the benefits of church membership and Christian fellowship? Why must you belong to a local church? Is that a good question to discuss? Why must you belong? You see, there are some people, they don't belong to any local church. Their motto is, all churches are the same. So, it, it depends on where I am on a particular Sunday. You know, I like just fellowshipping with the brethren. So, they will be in that place. They will go this way. They will go this way. Actually, there are some people who on average are members of about three churches. I can't even talk of those that have dual membership. At least two.
Why must you belong to a particular local church family? Is it important? Does it have benefits? There are so many benefits for belonging to a particular local church. Number one, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to select in my mind which one I should start with. <laughs> because I, I, I don't want to give you a fully fledged list. I'm also mindful of my time. Obviously, number one, it is for your spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment. When you stay in one place, you are fed spiritually in a systematic manner. So, for example, if you belong to a local church like this one, what is our approach here? We teach in series. So we pick a subject and talk about it extensively the whole month, sometimes two months, talking about one particular thing. So you have an in-depth teaching of the word of God, of the word of God. Number two, belonging to one church guarantees you fruitfulness and productivity in life. What is it, sir? Fruitfulness and productivity in life. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Now, let's look at the next verse. Those who are planted, have you seen that? Not those who are moving here and there. Those who are planted shall what? Flourish. It doesn't say may flourish. It says they shall. It says if it has not happened yet, it's a matter of time. It will happen. It will happen. Those of you that qualify to be called church hoppers. You know there is grasshopper and then church hopper. Now, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you the truth it is god if you are looking for help it is god who helps people it is who god so if an anointed man of god prays for you if god does not want to answer it doesn't matter where else you go there will be no what no answer I know sometimes men of God will say, oh my God, I'm telling you this God is not just the God of one person. He is the God of all flesh, all people. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So sometimes what I've seen is people think the power is in man. It is not of him that willeth. But it is of God. Who does what? Huh? Hmm. I thought I have Bible scholars here. Huh? 
it is of God who shows mercy. Huh? It is not of him who wills. You may have the willpower. But if God does not show you mercy, you will remain messed up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number three. Now, staying in the house of God. And I'm encouraging staying in one house of God. Gives you the opportunity, hear this, to be assisted by people that have a track record of your life. It gives you the opportunity to be assisted by people who know you better. Because I have also discovered that there are some Christians who are economical with the truth. They want the pastor to help them with their marriage, but they will not tell the pastor the whole story about their marriage. I don't know, pastors, whether you've come across people like that. But sir, if you have been with us here for eight years, we will know when you are lying. We will know it. Oh, my husband. My husband is a devil. Hey, 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 that man. Hey, that. We will know that you are lying. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. That is why some people run away from those who know them. They would rather to go to a man of God who has come from I don't know where. He doesn't know them. So they will say, man of God, the message was very powerful. I believe that you are my man of God. Because, I mean, the message itself, they will even give him a big seed. You know, I just feel like that is an amount they have never given their local church pastor. Say, man of God. You know, there are some crazy boys like that and girls in the church. I'm talking about men and women. I'm calling them crazy boys and girls. They will give a stranger big seed that they have never given to their pastor who has raised them. When they didn't know their way as a Christian, he washed their spiritual napkins until they have grown up. But they, they would have never given him any offering at all. Not anything significant. Not something to talk about but a stranger comes in one place in town they will go there sir with six hundred thousand the message i believe that uh, you are my moses <laughs> who has come to deliver me from my egypt of this marital struggle my husband sir uh, and the man because he lacks discernment he says because he has also seen the thick envelope, he says, hey, yes, hey, kneel here. Uh, I carry a strange grace. <laughs> He's lying. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, are you getting the message? Anyway, let's finish up here. By answering, I mean, there are so many things we could have talked about around the benefits of church membership. But 
Uh, obviously, people share burdens with you, isn't it? Especially when these are people that you've grown up together with in the Lord, in that local church. They treat you more than a blood relation will treat you. Jesus received a delegation of his own people. And somebody said, your mom, your brothers and sisters are outside. He was, they found him preaching. But you know what he told them? He said, these are my brothers, my sisters, and my mother. And he never attended to his own mother, blood, mother, the one who gave birth to him. He never attended to her. He said, these are those that do the will of God. They are the real brothers and mothers and fathers and sisters. That is the truth. Because they share burdens with you. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. They share burdens with you. They carry your burdens not only materially or physically, but also spiritually. Bear one another's burdens. That is what they do. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. That is what they are capable of doing. Praise the name of Jesus. But if you're a rolling stone, everywhere you go, you are a stranger. Say, who are you? You, you? you know, there are some people, they are always standing in a particular service as first timers. <laughs> Every Sunday, you will be a first timer in a particular place. Next Sunday, you will stand again in another place. I will change your name, you are Alendo. All right, let's look at this one, the last one. What are the believer's responsibilities in the church? What are the individual believer's responsibilities in the church? Number one, to protect, hear this, the unity of the church. To protect the unity of the church. You see, we as children of God must never be authors of tension and factions, divisions in the house of God. Please. The Bible says that we must maintain the unity of faith in the Holy Ghost. The unity of faith. The unity of faith. The unity of faith. Is that Ephesians chapter 4? Verse number 7. Let's look at it. Uh, let's begin from verse number 4. Verse number 4. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Have you seen this? One, 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 one. Verse number seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, verse number eight. Um, okay, let's go to verse number two. Let's go to verse number two. 
with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. Verse number three. Now hear this. Verse number three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That is our duty as God's children in the house of God. We must make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And please don't associate with any so-called brother or sister who is an author, an initiator of divisions among us. We must tell such people off. If you're going to bring division in the church, we'll flash you out of the church. Tell him. And tell him that I'm saying this to you on behalf of pastor. Do you know there are people like that? You, you are well united in your team. The moment they join the team, they scatter it. Tell that fellow off. We never used to quarrel in sanctuary keeping, in, in ushering, until you came in. So we, we flash. We even tell pastor that we are flashing you out. We don't want any divisions in our midst. Hallelujah. Now, hear this. How can a Christian keep the unity that we are talking about in the house of God? Number one, by acting in love towards other believers. How must we act? In love. By acting in love toward other believers in the church. 1 Peter 1 verse 22. By acting in love towards other believers. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren. It says love one another fervently with a pure love. Number two, by refusing to gossip. By refusing to do what? By refusing to gossip. That is how you keep the unity of the believers. You protect the unity of the church. Number one, by acting in love towards other believers. Number two, by refusing to gossip. By refusing to backbite. By refusing to gossip. No, not gossip. And what is the best way to tame gossip in the church? I will tell you. When somebody comes to you, say, so, 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 was saying this about you or against you. Say, ah, okay, okay. If you have his number, just scroll as if you are checking a WhatsApp message, not knowing that you are trying to call the guy. So call him. Bam. Don't tell the guy that I'm calling him. Say, brother, so, so, I am with sister, so, so here. I understand you are saying this, 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 this against me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with her here just now. Sir, that fellow will not come back. <laughs> but if you say, hey, what did he say? Ah, he has forgotten <laughs> what I have done to him. He has forgotten. We'll see. You do that, you are entertaining gossip. Hallelujah. How do I protect the unity of the church? Hear this. By obeying and following leadership. By. Uh, have I given you a verse for refusing to gossip? You can look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You can also look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, you read from verses 5 going down to even somewhere around 10. Now, hear this. By obeying and, ref I mean, following leadership. By obeying and following what? Leadership. That is how you maintain and protect the unity of the church. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. It says, obey those that have rule over you. Those that rule over you, obey them. Now, hear this. I'm showing you very quickly here what the believers' responsibilities in the church are. Number one, believers must protect the unit of the church. Number two, believers must share, hear this, in the responsibilities of the church. Believers must share in the responsibilities of the church. They must share in the responsibilities of the church. In what ways? Number one, by praying for the growth and well-being of the church. By praying for the growth and well-being of the church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. Number two, by inviting the unchurched, the unchurched, both to Christ and to church. Do you know <laughs> that there are more people in this country, let's talk about this city, even this location, there are more people in this location that do not go to church than those that go to church. Am I right here? But each one of them, when you ask them, those that don't go to church, if you ask them, they will tell you that they will claim that they belong to a particular denomination. Those are what we call the unchurched. They make claim to belong to a particular denomination. They make claim membership of a particular denomination, but they never go there. They are part of the unchurched. And there are others that will actually tell you that I don't belong to any of those. I don't belong to any of those. As far as I'm concerned, church is not relevant. So, sharing in the responsibility of the church will mean that you invite such people. Number one to Christ, number two to church. If you cannot invite them to Christ, at least invite them to church. And as they come to church, they will be given the opportunity to receive Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. Is it making sense? Is this difficult to do? Let us share in the responsibilities of the church. Number three, by warmly welcoming those who visit. By warmly welcoming the people that visit the house of God. We call them guests in this church. We call them guests. We don't call them visitors. We call them guests. We welcome. You warmly welcome them. Hallelujah. You give them space to relax, to feel good, to feel welcome. 
Not only that, we also share in the responsibilities of the church by employing our gifts and talents in the promotion of the work of the church. By employing our gifts and talents in the promotion of the work of God. Does that make sense? Praise the name of Jesus. I said praise the name of Jesus. Next one is by investing our financial and material resources in the work of the church. Investing our financial and material resources in the work of the church. All that is part of sharing in the responsibilities of the church. But also by following up on brethren that seem to be dragging their feet in their walk with the Lord. By following up on brethren that are missing in the fellowship. You look at your brother, you look around to see whether he's around. He said, no. Did he come for first service? Maybe. Maybe he came for third service. You discover that the fellow is not coming to church. It is your duty to follow them up. Follow up and visitation is not the duty of the pastors only. It is the duty of all Christians. Is it making sense? Okay, our time is up. May we rise on our feet. Hallelujah. Amen. The last part. <laughs> I may not pray for people tonight, but can I give you this last part as you rise on your feet? I would rather give you this last part than spare some few minutes to make altar call to lay hands on you. Because this part, if you do it well, the part I'm about to mention, you may not need anybody to lay hands on you. God himself will be laying his hands on you to give you what you are looking for. I'm talking to you. Can I hear your shout of amen? amen? The last responsibility that you have is to support the testimony of the church. To support the what? The testimony of the church of God. Support it. Support that testimony of the church in what ways number one by attending faithfully all church meetings and activities by attending faithfully all church meetings and activities by attending faithfully how should you attend faithfully how many of church meetings all all church meetings and activities. Hebrews 10 and verse number 25. And you can also support the testimony of the church by living a godly life. By living a godly life. Philippians 1, 27. By living a godly life. That is how to support the testimony of the church. Because if Every now and then, believers of a particular church family are involved in some scandalous living. You know what people say? Is that, hey, church, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That means you are destroying what? The, not only your own testimony, you are also destroying the testimony of the house to which you belong. So you support the testimony of the local church by living a godly life, by living above reproach, above reproach. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Please, if you can, clap your hands for the King of Kings. Have you learned anything here tonight? Lift your voice and bless the King of Kings. Adore and glorify him. Give him thanks, celebrate, exalt, and worship him tonight. Let's do this quickly. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We bless your name for your goodness. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We thank you, Lord. We give you adoration. You are such a good, gracious, compassionate, and holy God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' precious name. Father, give me grace to do the things I have received tonight. Everyone lift a voice. Father, give me grace to do everything that I have received tonight. Give me grace, Holy Father, to do these things that I have received in this place tonight. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Clap your hands again for Jesus. From today, all of you will be singing a new song. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Never shall you lack anything good in your life. Amen. Hmm. Anything good that you desire. Before you pray, it shall come to you. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you say, today I wish I ate chicken, chicken will come. In the mighty name of Jesus. I welcome you to a land of good things. Good reports. Good testimonies. In the mighty name of Jesus. If that is you, can I hear your loud shout of amen here? You came here safely, you're going back home safely. In the mighty name of Jesus. Before this week expires, may God surprise you. Amen. I said, may the Lord surprise somebody listening to me here. Amen. If you're one of them, let your amen be the loudest. Amen. Psalm 23 and verse number 6. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. God bless you.